Hey, Rage. How's it going, dude? All right. It's been a while. Yeah. This band's my favorite. Don't you love them? Yeah, it's going to be the best. I'm so stoked. Hey, girl. You want a beer? All right. Aw, oh, man. This is the best. I'm so glad we're all back together and stuff. This is great. Hey. Um, do you guys know about the party after the show? Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to go, but um, my friends don't really want to go. Can I get a ride? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to We Are Weezer. Episode 15. Episode 15, everybody. That's a lot of episodes. It's maybe like 46,000 hours of material at this point. <laughs> I believe we have surpassed the podcast average um, of seven episodes now. Because if you like, because now it's we're we're above the average. So what most people peter so, out at seven episodes, they just give up. Yeah, eh. like if you're gonna give up, you're gonna give up round seven. Apparently. Well, luckily, we had seven <laughs> done before we were even doing it on a regular basis, so we, we really blew that out of the water. Yeah, yeah, this is true. I was looking at the... I mean, I guess we could have just called it a day. Like, oh, that was fun. Yep, lucky number seven. Goodbye. <laughs> Instant messenger door closes. What were you looking at? Uh, the schedule, and I saw that we're... Uh, we Folks, we have shows laid out until... I don't know, 2021, maybe? At least until <laughs> April of next year. So you're going to get at least 25 episodes out of us. Yes. Which is nice, because now we just know we can get into a flow. Everything's all good. Yeah, exactly. What song are we doing today, Rick? We, uh, as you all heard, we're doing... No, wait, you haven't heard yet. We're doing heart songs mm-hmm. off of 2008's The Red Album. Which, can I just say that the cover of this album is genius? You know, the, the pause was long enough there. I thought she's going to go with awful because that's how Rick feels. But <laughs> you say genius. Okay, do tell. Explain. Well, it's so weird. Like, Okay, we've got, what year is this? 2007? It, see, even that doesn't make any sense. Because Brian looks like he's um, straight out of 1998 with like a fedora and a sweater and um, long medium hair with a beard, which is doesn't seem to be Brian-y to me, but whatever. And Pat is fancy, which Pat's never fancy. Pat looks like a Rivers, college professor, like a college English professor. Yeah, he's very studious. So so Brian and Pat were like, let's be fancy. And Rivers was like, I want to be a cowboy. And Scott's just like, what's up? I'm Scott. Hi. Rivers' mustache on this thing is is 4,000% creeptastic. Can I just say that, like, actually, he looks... I mean, it doesn't look weird. No, he looks like he should be on the package of like for tortillas or something. 
yeah, he, he makes a good cowboy. Cuomo brand tortillas. <sighs> available oh at Kroger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this... They're... I mean, I know that we don't do, like, full album discussions. I know that the song discussions tend to veer into that territory. But this album, man... Uh... It's got good and it's got bad. And depending on which version you have or which version you uh, hold dear to your heart as the actual album, it's just a, it feels to this day feels like an incomplete album to me. It's interesting for yeah. sure. Uh, there, it is discussed quite often, the album and all of its B-sides and yada yada. It's interesting it is interesting, but I feel like it's interesting in that way that a parent tells their kid, oh, yeah, no, your interest in piercings is really interesting. Or, oh, no, that thing you <laughs> want to do to your car with its mufflers, very interesting. I really like your I really like your podcast. It's very interesting. Oh, it's very interesting, yeah. We, we don't ever hear that. Mm. <laughs> but we'll... We'll bash on the Red Album later on in the show. Um, <laughs> yes. Let's get to the old, how are you? What's new? Yes. I am still tired. I am still not into any house yet. The goal now, well, the goal is to move in December 1st. So 2024? I'm not. Yeah. Uh-huh. In 50 years. Sounds about right. And... um. Until then, I'm just going to live around boxes and dog hair. So, and laundry, dirty laundry. That's what my room looks like right now. And also, I've been spending a lot of time in my room, which is weird. Are you grounded? So, I live with my, I, I, I am living with the parents <laughs> temporarily. So, because they're like, hey, can you get out of our house soon? And um, we're like, yeah, as soon as we're done painting and sanding and fixing and this and that. And like, you know, there's just so much. But I really do see a light at the tunnel. And I'm just, you know, one step in front of the other. I was listening to some positive thinking or like, what do what do successful people do books? And it said, first... You got to figure out your goal and then write down a couple steps to help you achieve that goal and then just take the first step and just keep doing that over and over again and eventually you're going to achieve the goal because most people don't start the first step and that's the problem. So I'm starting my first step by just going forward with whatever has to be done. Because most people are afraid of the first step. No one wants to leave the cardboard box that they're stuck in because it's scary. Yeah, it's hard and scary. And yeah, so, I mean, you know this. You know how buying a house is hard. You know, the funny thing about buying a, a house lot. is that it just keeps going and going. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm still buying yeah. it because recently my downstairs toilet broke and started leaking water out of my wall in my garage in the front of my house. So as soon as we got that repaired, two toilets upstairs broke. So we only had one bathroom. What was wrong with the other one? 
I know that like the one was has been broken forever, but what's wrong with it? Well, the guest bathroom, I know this is riveting, folks. Please enjoy. The, the <laughs> upstairs guest bathroom, that toilet, uh-huh. the porcelain broke. So the bowl leaked water everywhere. So we had to shut that off. And then oh. my wife, who with all of these house problems, because there are more besides toilets, um, she kept texting me, do you have a moment to chat? Do you have a moment to chat? And it just started to make my butthole clench because it was always a house problem. And it turned out... <laughs> Our master bath toilet did the same thing. Just water started pouring out of the back of it. So, and then the wind blew my back fence down. And it took me over a month to get that sorted. And then the guy who took down the rain gutters when they painted the houses didn't put our rain Mm -hmm. gutter back in the backyard. So we've been fighting the HOA for that. But it all turned out that the toilets, the fence, and the rain gutters were all done today. And my poor mother-in-law, who babysits my son a few days a week, just had to manage three different work crews and my baby and my dog. So she's a hero. Wow. But it's just... That is awesome. That's a feat. And then we just got new windows put in the week before. So I kind of have a whole new house, really. Awesome. And the toilets are great. Trust me. Well, and plus, like, don't you feel better now? Because it's all done in one swoop? Yes, it's done just like my bank account. Yeah. I feel yeah. super great. It's like you have all that money. You're like Scrooge McDuck rolling in money. And then you turn all that money into a house that gives you problems. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're freaking out because you're like, I I used to have money. And, and now I have like $500 in a savings account. And I'm trying to hold on to it. But it's like there's... Stuff is expensive, turns out. You know what, though? We have the cheat code. (laughs) We have the cheat code, though, because we own property in California. Yeah. Which means in certain states, we own the whole state. (laughs) Or I'm not sure how property values work, but I'm probably close. Probably. Probably own like five houses in Florida. Yeah. Or somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's not expensive. I feel like you and I are going to have to start a side podcast where we bitch about owning a house because we're starting to monopolize the old Weezer podcast with house BS. (laughs) Uh, lots, lots of Weezer stuff. We digress. Okay. First of all, uh, let, okay. Corey, Corey, I haven't told you, but I ordered your fan club membership stuff last Thursday. Or Friday. So hopefully that arrives soon and I'm excited. Let me know when it gets there so I can email them and tell them to turn it over into your name. But yeah, that's been on the list for a long time and I was really happy to get that taken care of. So excitement coming up, guys. Do, 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 do. Um, did you finally get your bundle? I did. And I know I'm being a little bit picky here, but you want to go through the stuff that we got? Oh yeah. Uh, Rachel and I ordered the universe bundle, the all you can eat bundle buffet of goodness, wonderfulness. And it came with a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. 
Um, it came with a jacket question mark because it looks different than what I thought, but that's okay. It's still nice. It's just not what I thought. Does that make sense? It does. I thought the jacket would have a lining, like it'd be an actual jacket, but as a very large man who lives in California, I kind of like just having a windbreaker that's all snazzy and stylish because I look like a boss in the thing. There's no doubt about it. So it is nice looking on the outside, even though it has no lining that that it achieved the look of niceness without being fancy on the inside, I guess. You know, like if you wear it, you know, skiing, you're going to die. So don't do that. Yeah. But you're going to look mm-hmm. good when you die skiing. Uh, I love it though. I love my keychain. Um, I love my record. The hat has a fancy buckle on it. And I'm trying to figure out like the shape of it. What's going on with the shape? You know, that's the first thing I thought too. I feel like it's just a modern type of stylish hat. I put it on my head and I agreed with a look. I was like, you know what? Okay. All right. I don't look stupid. Is it supposed to be like spacey or is is the style spacey or? It does kind of look like you're know. an attendant on Star Tours, but I have seen people or with that shape hat before. I mean, I feel like this is like kind of supposed to resemble astronaut pilot gear no i have no idea i didn't even think of that but you know what i'll do i'll take a picture hence the duffel bag right i'll take a picture wearing the hat and then i'll i'll uh tag nasa and be like nasa is this a you guys hat is that what this is (laughs) um and we can bring it back home with the West Side Weirdos pennant that I still don't understand. You forgot some stuff, uh, though. But we got duffel bag. We got a t-shirt. We got a okay, CD. The t-shirt's my favorite. I know. I love the t-shirt. Favorite. It's comfy as heck. It feels so good on on my body. It, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's like really nice material, and it's really cute. I like it a lot. Also reminds me of Astronaut. I don't know if it's the Navy or what, but I like, and the CD, and the duffel bag. The duffel bag. Which you said. My wife claimed it is gone. She owns it now. I enjoy the duffel bag. Also, I wish it was a little thicker, but. You know, the bundle was 130 bucks, considering that a good jacket would be 130 bucks, that we got all that stuff. This is true. It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I understand. Am with you. I agree. I understand that it's like a lot of, you know, gratis garbage. I know that it's junky promotional stuff, really, but I love it. And it's all part of the fun. And one of these days, I'm going to go on a trip wearing my jacket, my hat, my keychain, my shirt, and carry all of my belongings on my duffel bag and probably get arrested for being weird, waving my pennant <laughs> around. Uh, <laughs> um,. Ooh, so, uh, notification. Can we talk about the Do record? You... Yeah. Did you get the, it's beautiful. the pink, the Starburst splotch record? I did. It is so beautiful. I, I, I frame it. I make a bad Starburst joke, but it is really, really pretty. You know, 
Oh, yes. Do you know what makes it extra uh, tell pretty? Me, tell me your fun record story, no, t- Rick. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what makes the record extra pretty. When you drop it and break it the morning after you got as it. As soon as you get it. I listened to... You're like, oh, what a great album. The, Let me just throw it around. The, this is the sequence of events, okay? Okay. 6 p.m. <laughs> on Thursday, Rick gets his bundle after a long day at work and he says oh my goodness the bundle looks at the record immediately cleans it plays side b is that's the part of the record he hadn't heard as much then flips it around plays side a then side b again puts the record away takes it upstairs for some reason maybe to look at it some more he doesn't know why (laughs) the next morning he wakes up gets ready to go goes to his office and retrieves all the things that he'll need for the day wallet keys phone It's like, hey, I got to take this record downstairs too. And then my wife hands me my son. So I have all these things in my hand. And as I get to the kitchen (laughs) to put all these things on the counter, the record, which for some reason Rick has decided to hold by the spine, slips out and hits my tile floor in such a way that I know (sighs) that I know it's broken. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh. And Liz says, oh, my God, what's wrong? I'm like, I think I broke my record. And I felt like Ralph Wiggum. I was like, I bent my Wookiee. I just felt so defeated. I could just hear it. <laughs> and she says, let me see it. Let me see it. So she starts to pull the record out of the sleeve. She's like, see, no, it looks fine. It's totally fine. Oh. And I totally oh. jacked it up. I cracked it. I broke it. I chipped it. And uh, that sucked because there's only 1,500 of them in existence. But I'll tell you something cool. I'm a part of the Weezer fan club. And apparently, not only are there a bunch of really nice people in the fan club, there are also people who buy vinyl records only to put them on their wall. So a very, very wonderful fan clubber, um, after reading my post about the broken vinyl, in which I preach acceptance over you know, the, the bad things that happen in life, she's like, I'll give you my record. So I just want to give a big shout out to Kristen in the fan club, who is sending me uh, a complete sealed copy of the pink splatter vinyl. Should be here soon. And that I, is the coolest thing in the entire world. That is so nice. It is. I mean, considering that I broke it at like six a.m. and by eight thirty, she was like, "No problem." Just take mine. Like that is. I don't know. That's very Weezer fan club of her. Mm-hmm. Very nice. That's how that's how we roll, right? Like you got to help each other out. And all she asked for in return was that I mail her my sleeve so she could put it on the wall. Because she knew that giving me a sealed record would make me happier. That's just cool. Way too cool. Too cool for school. Are you going to send her the broken one? Like, does she maybe want the broken one and have the album in there at least? No, she she said she didn't need it at all. I actually have the broken one pinned to my wall next to my Amoeba show poster and ticket. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta you should frame that one. Frame the broken one. Yeah, it's it's a reminder for posterity. Uh-huh. A reminder of what, what a, not to do. Yeah, especially for a vinyl collector such as myself, I, I definitely uh, I let my daddy brain carry that record downstairs. Well, you just you think you can do it. Well, I got. You can't. I mean, you've met me. I got big, meaty gorilla hands. I can carry a lot of stuff. And nope, I just I can carry a lot Apparently of stuff. Not. I just can't carry it well. Well, that's really nice. I'm glad that somebody did that for you yeah it's awesome we have an awesome fan club and this whole to kind of put a capper on this point this whole 
record release, lead up, doing the podcast, all this new Weezer content in the fan club. It has just been wonderful, and I love it. And a big shout out to the fan club. It's a very warm, inviting place, which is maybe yes. overly positive sometimes. I feel like sometimes people hold back, but <laughs> it's it's a really lovely place to be a fan, and I'm super happy to be a part of it. And I shall continue to be. Um, I feel like there's been mostly positive vibes about the new album so that's good you know few people here and there just not not into it and that's cool too but for the most part i feel like everyone likes it so i'm happy yeah and at the very least it seems like everyone has found something in it that they love there doesn't seem to be some of the rampant negativity that previous albums have fostered in the fans right um, even on some of the other Weezer boards that I check out, there are a great number of people who are like, no, I really dig a lot of this and it's good. You know, it isn't just a total, uh, flame war or whatever cool people say, <laughs> but um, by now you guys have heard our reaction to the album. We hope you enjoyed that. And and I will, I will ask you, Rachel, now that we're what, three weeks out, how, how's it sitting mm-hmm. with you just in, in 10 words? Uh, still listen to it multiple times a day and, uh, almost have it memorized and love it so much. Yeah. It's, uh, I've eased off of listening to it all day long cause I, I can really overdo that, but it is my daily drive home listen cause it's just about the length of my drive home. So I get in the car, put on Mexican fender, get on the five and I'm, you know, singing about Diane pretty much right when I get off the freeway. So. I listen to it every day. I love it. Um, I love it so much, too. I am not tired of it. Nope. I'm not bored. So, yeah, it's good times. Uh, I'm going to move us along here to... Oh, did I... I don't know if I told this last time or told you or everyone... Um, that I put a voting thing on the website. So help us choose the names for the minis. And ratings are being worked on and coming soon. Yeah, you guys so, will very soon get to see just what the hell we're talking about when we're like, Laser Eyes Rivers, Lightning Strap, Pat Jammin on the drums. It's meant to be unknowable, but now you'll at least get to put a cool image to it. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's almost here. And... Can I just say, uh, well, number one, it's close to Veterans Day, so thank you for your service, Scott. And number two, Scott and Jillian and the kids, they're so cute. Um, it was their anniversary, and Scott put some Instagram pics up and a little video of him um, with his older son. I don't want to say the wrong name, so I won't. I can't remember. Joby? Jo- I know I'm going to screw it up, so I won't go there. But they're just being silly and fun, and they're so cute. I love them so much. They're It's like just hanging out and being with your kids, but it's cool to see um, like your band do that too, and they just seem like nice people and... Um, their kids are like like always happy and full of energy and 
being silly. So it's really cute. Just thought I would point that out to you. You're not wrong. Scott's family's pretty inspirational. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) That's the show for this week, guys. We won't be right back with song discussion. (laughs) Just kidding. We totally will. Gordon Lightfoot sang a song about a boat that sank in the lake at the break of the morning. A cat named Stevens found a faith he could believe in. And Joan Baez, I never listened to too much jazz. But hippie songs could be good in a pad. Eddie Rabbit sang about how much he loved a rainy night. Aberdeen open a tar were there the day John Lennon died. And it's time to talk about heart songs. These are my heart songs. Apparently they never feel wrong. No, they don't. These are the songs I keep singing. These are the songs I keep singing. For goodness sake. Do, do, do. <laughs> um, I'll say right um, off the bat, of, of all the songs on the Red Album, this is certainly a favorite of mine. Uh, just for its concept alone is awesome, which as we dig into this, I will also point out why I think the concept is bad. But you'll you'll hear. You'll find out what I think. Okay. Um, I look forward to it. It is off of the Red Album. It's track number four. It was released June 3rd of 2008 and recorded in spring of 2007. Um, It is four minutes and six seconds long. So that's long for a Weezer song. I know it's a long one. And the label is Geffen. It is officially released and it's never been played live. Can you believe that? I, I totally can. That This doesn't surprise me even a little bit. Why? I, I think this would be acceptable to play live. It would be fun to play live, but th- like there are deep cuts on an album, and then there are deep cuts. And this song is uh, self-referential, which always kind of comes off weird. Um, and the phrasing is very complicated. Like that would be very difficult to play live. And um, I would say. Do you think it would be hard to remember how to play live or all the words? and Definitely on a nightly basis, that might be tough to do. But I also feel that musically, it's not especially interesting because if you you really pay attention, when he's not reciting all of the uh, artists and the songs that he loves, what's going Mm -hmm. on musically isn't especially interesting. Like, I don't remember that. I just hear sort of the, when I think back, if, I, if I'm if i drawing on my memory of the song, I'm hearing the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
of only songs they've never played on tour. Have they or should they? They should. They should go, okay, what songs have we never done live? And let's only do those ones. I would pay for that. I think just really the hardcores would. That kind of thing. I I, (laughs) I wish they would do it, but I feel like in today's landscape where bands make most of their money off of touring instead of record sales, you can't risk doing that. The deals that you have to make to book a show and satisfy all the parties involved is so complicated that if you didn't play the hits and bring people in, it could be really bad for you. Huh. I didn't know you had to play the hits. You don't have to, but you do have to do whatever it takes to bring the most butts to the seats. So if you're known as the band who doesn't play the songs that you know, people might be less likely to show up. And then the promoter who brought you into their venue, they're going to want to kill you. (laughs) Literally, they're going to be at the door like the mafia. Uh, way back They're when they're going to do that thing where they they drag their finger along their neck like I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I mean that like so my my <laughs> no you're not I mean you're not far off my my wife's dad is um, a talent agent mainly for Latin musical artists but he does a lot of work on the road doing live shows and Liz used to write the contracts for live shows and it is mm-hmm. unbelievably complicated. And the number of people involved in just getting a band on the stage is out of control. And it's a wonder it ever gets done. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. So, I, you know, the more I think about the ins and outs of how all that works and what Weezer is doing these days and some of the comments that Rivers has made about how the live band is a different thing from the band that makes records. He has gone on. He has he has said in interviews that on the record, they're going to do what they want. But the live show is for a different audience. And I, I kind of get that because, you know, Pacific Daydream did not sell very well at all. They're not making money off of records. It's just a great tool to promote and keep yourself visible. But I, I kind of get why, you know, they stick to Buddy Holly. As, as much as it bugs me, I think I get it. And if that's how the band is surviving and then continuing to make music, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I just was kind of hoping Carl could like get them on a tour of only songs that we've never heard before on tour. I know that I just spent the last two minutes saying, <laughs> shut up, Rachel, you're wrong. And I didn't mean to. I think it's an awesome idea. <laughs> That's I'm <okay>. sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, and, it, and I wasn't trying to say that I don't, I hate the hits. I mean, I like the hits too, but don't get me wrong. Uh, But, you know, I'm down for the other stuff because it's less likely to hear it ever again. And you can say, oh, I heard that one time, you know. At Bandcamp? Yeah. So there's a cool story about actually the live debut deal. According to Weezerpedia, um, during the Troublemaker tour, Carl would like walk out, put a record player on the stage start the heart songs song leave and then when it got to the part where they talk about nirvana rivers would come out and smash the record player with his guitar and then the other guys would come out and they'd all play sliver by by nirvana and it was amazing that would have blown my mind if i had seen that 
I really want to see that. I want to see Rivers smash something. The craziest thing I ever saw Rivers do live was bring a trampoline onto the stage. And I think he fell. I've never seen him do anything crazy. He did it on the Memories Tour. And I think it was in Boston where he slipped and fell, if I recall correctly. Oh, great. There's a gif of it. So he's like, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) I want to see that gif. Uh, it's easy to, I mean, uh, I'll, you'll, I'll send it to you. You'll love it. Yeah. Cuomo trampoline. Hashtag. I mean, it's better than just, you know, when he sings, just Your holding on to the mic. hey <laughs> It's true. Um, apparently, Sliver by Nirvana was the first Nirvana, Nirvana? Nirvana song that Rivers heard while he was working at Tower in Hollywood. So... Did Rivers work at Tower Hollywood, like right there on Sunset? I have no idea. I, I didn't. What a lucky duck. I want to work at Tower on Sunset. I did not know that Rivers worked at Tower Records. I could not imagine having to interact with him in a customer service context. Like, excuse me, <laughs> young man, could you help me find the latest uh, Gordon Lightfoot album? And just the the <laughs> massive awkwardness. He would like just look at you and be like, yeah. It's over here. And then like walk you over there and be like, right here. He would answer and me would, in like, Shakespeare quotations. Walk away. <laughs> He'd be like, you like Gordon Lightfoot? Yeah, me too. Yeah, All right. he's, he's underrated. No, I like him. He kind of creeps me out. Mm-hmm. And then he would mm-hmm. just listen to what I say and then repeat something that I said back to me. <laughs> he would Cuomo me in person, and he would he would look at you. He would and just stare at you. He would he would ask me to help him find a Gordon Lightfoot album, and all of a sudden I'm ringing him up. <laughs> oh my god! I just had a visual of that <laughs> of like you be like, "Excuse me, do you have Gordon Lightfoot?" And we're just like, uh, "Excuse me, do you have Gordon Lightfoot?" <laughs> I'm like, oh, right this way, sir. <laughs> All right, tell me, tell me who recorded and sang on this beast. <laughs> okay, Rivers wrote it. Rick Rubin produced it. Oh, um, Santa Claus Beach Hobo. If this Tobacco is your first Santa. time. Yes, uh, I like to call him the the master of all hippies. Um, he also produced Beverly Hills, Dreamin', We Are All on Drugs. And many, many more Weezer songs. He did indeed produce um, 100% of Make Believe. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why I don't know that. Why I, why I sound so surprised, I don't know. Because I hadn't told you yet. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. That makes sense. In a w- I don't think any of those songs are off of Make Believe that I just said. Beverly either. Hills and We Are All on Drugs. Those are make-believe? Yeah. Are you a fan of Weezer or or what? I don't... <laughs> I'm a little confused. I don't have a photographic album memory like you do. It's all just one big album. No, I, I read the back of the album once. That's why I know. <laughs> um, I did too in um, whatever year <laughs> that was. <laughs> Guys, Rachel <laughs> has a confession to make. She's never actually listened to Weezer. <laughs> uh i also um may or may not know what day it is so it's all good um 
<laughs> Rivers plays lead guitar and lead, and sings lead vocals and also plays a little piano on this song. Um, we've got Bry, Bry Bell on the rhythm guitar and backing vocals. Scott, Scottith Schreinerth on the bass, slapping okay? the bass and... <laughs> I'm trying to mix it up. It sounds like you're having a heavy predation. <laughs> I might be. Um, what does that mean? Haven't you ever seen that clip of the um, news reporter having an absolute meltdown? Oh, yes. And she's like, depred- She's like, what did she, say? she says something like, and there, w- there was a heavy predation. And K-Rock mentions <laughs> that all the time, the heavy predation. I think that's where I've heard it before because I play her all the time. And I, I laughed and laughed, but it's actually kind of scary. Yeah, she had like a serious neurological incident. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Should Don't do... tell me. Pat plays the drums. <laughs> Percussion. Whatever. Yeah. And it's uh, listed as Patrick Wilson. So sometimes he's Patrick and sometimes he's Pat. FYI. Um, This song is rather notable for an immense series of references to songs that Rivers listened to either on purpose or passively as a youngster. Uh, Songs that Mm -hmm. clearly made their way deep into his heart. Um. I mean, let's yeah. see, there's like 25 songs mentioned in the first two or three verses um, rather, well, rather I, cleverly. I, I mean, I and I was shocked, too, that I know most of those songs. I wouldn't call them my heart songs, but it is it is funny, kind of the soundtrack that plays in the background of your life. And I love that Rivers put his in a song. I love that, too. And I. um, I think depending on who you are uh there if you try to think about it like the memorable songs from when you're small are there a million or are there really like 10ish cuz to me it's there's certain things that stand out to me uh now that I can remember from being younger and it's not like this vast library of music of course um i could probably do that from like things that i like or that i've heard or bands that i care about but um if i think about being young it's not that many that stand out to me as a adult if that makes sense no it totally does when uh, i sort of passively thought i wonder if i could do my own rendition of heart songs and i could not come up with 25 songs that predated you know that epiphany moment you know where everything changes where you hear the song that sets you in a direction like it did for rivers which in this case was uh not a song but rather the album nevermind by nirvana which is really interesting and cool like i mentioned before at one point he dissected every nirvana song its structure and how it was uh, put together and played in order to create a formula for the perfect rock song. So, I mean, I 
there's probably no bigger single influence on Rivers' hit-making ability than Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. You can really hear it, too, on the Blue Album. You could hear that influence. 100%. Not so, not so much anymore, but, I mean, and not independently, but if you play the albums close together, you can, it's like, it's kind of, he's always liked rock, but that made it something he he felt like oh okay I could I could do this and um I think that's kind of where like the crunch came from that people are always talking about I think it came from Nirvana no I agree I think because he said that he did a lot of um like hair metal glam rock stuff and he thought he might go in that direction like a, a metal direct like 80s metal direction not metal as we know it today. yeah I, and we see that from from a few of these uh, bands from his heart songs. But I'm super pumped that Rivers heard Nirvana because I think that's a lot of why they sound the way they do. And of course, they made this album in 1993 and 1994, and that was the sound of the era. You know, the, those crunchy guitars and the way that Rick Ocasek produced the Blue Album, it's obviously very intentional, and it it really beautifully, perfectly captured a sound of an era. I mean, I would say that well, if the blue album I mean, is the capper to the era of grunge, you know the 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 bellwether, the end of the grunge era. I think it's the transition. Yeah, out of, of the pivot point, I should say. Mm-hmm. Of like, you could be grunge and mainstream at the same time. You don't have to be just one thing. You know, and Rivers may not want to be known as the guy who closed the door on grunge, but I definitely think he he turned the knob. Ah, there you go. Yeah. What does Adam Carolla do right now? <laughs> Deep. <laughs> Dig it. Dig. Whatever. He do, 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 do. We need a bald Brian on sound effects. Yes. Um, or I can just do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the bridge of the song describes the formation of Weezer. And basically, in 1991, he wasn't having any fun. His roommate said, come on and put a brand new record on. on. Let me do the next part. He had a baby <laughs> on it. He was naked on it. <laughs> Keep going. Then I heard the chords that broke the chains I had upon me. But yes, and then Which, continue. I don't think I've ever heard that line before. And then he's well, like, because got he, together with my bros at some rehearsal studio. Let's, let's actually back up for a second. The He heard the chords that broke the chains he had on him. Um, oh. A lot of the complaints about like the grunge that, era though. and rock music of that era were that it were just three chords, that it was super simplistic. And let's face it those three chords and i don't know what they are but they work and people have used them forever and nirvana may have been a, a heavy grunge act but they were also a pop act in a weird way their songs were structured like pop songs that's why the i don't think it's just because he committed suicide that they still play his music to this day it is earworm material even though it's grunge and deep and artsy fartsy or whatever 
It's pop oh, music, Oh, no, too. it's so good. Yeah, it's great. It's good. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think that... Mainstream grunge. Whatever Rivers was trying to do, whatever was coalescing in his mind as an artist, when he heard that, it gave him, you know, the, the little nick in the glass that helped him shatter whatever was in his way, you know? If he had never heard Nevermind... Like, oh, I could do this. I don't think we'd be doing this podcast. But yes, then he next got together with his bros at some rehearsal studios, which would have been Brian, Pat, Jason Cropper, and Carl Koch. Yes. Because Brian wasn't in the band yet. Four. No, Brian came into the picture later. Wait, what about... And Jason... Carl wasn't not, Carl wasn't in the beginning of the band. Carl was always just the friend. He's the unofficial fifth member. I'm not saying he was in the band, but you you can be guaranteed he was there in those early days. But you said, did you say Matt? I don't think Matt was original either. Was it just the three of them? Oh, did I only mention four people? I forgot Matt. I always forget Matt because I don't care about Matt. But yes, Matt was there too. Okay. Um. Then they played their first rock show. And watched the fan base start to grow. Which, let me interject and say that Scott was in the audience, if you recall. When he played his first rock show? Not necessarily the first one, but Scott saw Weezer shows before they were popular and he knew they were going to be huge. That's awesome. I know, right? I fucking love Scott. I should look into Scott more off, more deeply and see, like, because I know he played with other people. Prior to Weezer, I forget who. Do you know? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. My my sphere of Weezer knowledge rests squarely in Weezer. Yeah, I know. Wait, that, hold on. Did you hear what I just like, said? My sphere rests in the square. No, it doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. Your sphere rests in the sphere of Weezer sphere, which also sounds dumb. You and I together have not made <laughs> this moment any better. Um. Since the day we kicked the door to make a record of our own, a song comes on the radio and now people go, this is the song. These are my heart songs. These are my heart songs. They never feel wrong. Mm-hmm. I guess that actually Rivers wrote this song while he was on his honeymoon with Kyoko in Japan, March 2006. Holy shit, that's adorable. Yeah. I guess he just randomly got inspired, got a, a, a something up his butt and said, I'm going to hop on a little bike, drive to the mall, start recording songs randomly in Japan. Because that's what you do, right? I mean, I will say heart songs is very peculiar and up until that time weezer i mean it it's hard to look back on it now and i don't know where your fandom was at the time but the red album was for some people the beginning of the end for others it's where their fandom started but the red album was a significant departure far and away from what people were expecting of weezer You know, people say like, oh my God, Ratitude was so weird and Hurley was even stranger and oh, I don't like this and I don't like that. To hear the Red Album after Make Believe 
and the success of the Green Album and the non-success of Maladroit was very strange. And Heart Song, Heart Songs is a bizarre track in the middle of a bizarre album. And uh, they, yeah, they lost me on Maladroit. They lost me. Uh, I, I, I liked Red when it came out, but never really gave it the time of day that I do now. Yeah, for me, the Red Album is something I anticipated heavily because mm-hmm. it was the first record in which I participated significantly in the um, internet groups and the lead up. So I heard all the leaks. I had a pirated copy. I bought both versions. I had it on vinyl. And it was a bit of a letdown for me. I was I didn't Aww. like... I didn't like that the other band members had songs on the album, not because I didn't want to hear them sing, which I don't really mind because I like lots of bands with multiple singers, but they didn't sound like Weezer songs. And all of a sudden, the album takes this left turn into songs that don't sound like Weezer, which really pissed me off. And I've come to terms with them after all these years because, you know, life is so hard. <laughs> you forgive them. I forgive you guys. Um, but the, the Red Album is really peculiar. Weezer and, nerd problems. And I was just trying to say that, that Heart Songs does sound like an inspired song. I mean, I I love the feel of it. I love so his nice. vocal yeah. delivery. Uh, he really means it. Um, I, I will say that my biggest criticism of this song is a criticism I levy at songs of this type pretty often, which is when they're very self-referential. I don't really like that. It's the same reason I don't really care for the lyrics of Back to the Shack. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to specifically reference yourself at a certain point in your career that song is locked there and when i listen to heart songs now it sounds very old and very dated uh, and for me it doesn't really hold up as much more than a like a a curio of a weird time in the band's history which i like the song but i don't go back to it much i don't know i think it holds up for me i think it holds up I would listen to it on the radio. I think people would like it on the radio. It'd be a nice change. And You know, I can't levy this as a criticism of the song, but for me, when an artist talks about themselves in such a direct way, it's a huge turnoff. I just never, it never appeals to me when artists do that. It's like, I want you to express yourself artfully and creatively. I don't want you to talk about your career. I mean, this is probably a better example of that kind of song, but mm-hmm. it's it's biggest charm is also for me its biggest flaw. I mean, I don't know like that people do that all that often. Well, it's really. enough that I've and noticed. And he don't tends like to it. do it. He tends to do it figuratively all the time. So you just don't like when it's real. I don't like it when it's so literal and on the nose. Um, I find it super Mm. charming, you know, like, I guess it's funny. I I have these thoughts and I think about, Oh, I'll bring this up on the show. But as I discuss it, I realize I'm kind of, um, contradicting myself already because one of my favorite songs is the greatest man that ever lived off of the red album. Mm -hmm. And that is a completely self-referential song about how rad rivers is. And why he's so great and his uh, nature as a rock star and how we all look upon him and he's so strange. So, like I said, I can't levy it as a criticism because it's not, (laughs) you can't say the song's good or bad because of one opinion. 
but or Mexican Fender or Michael and Carly. No, me- Mexican Fender and Michael and Carly don't. It's not the same thing. <sighs> like in Back to the Shack, he says maybe I should play the lead guitar and Pat should play the drums. And he talks about how he's losing fans because he tried to make pop music. It's like, I know that because I was your fan and I didn't like it. You don't have to tell me that. Just make better songs. So now one of the songs (laughs) on the album is about the thing that I didn't like that I wish you'd stop doing. Things like Michael and Carly are an ode to people that he loved and cared for. Mexican Fender is um, a loose play on something that actually happened. But... You know, I got into a discussion with somebody in the fan club about Mexican Fender. They said something to the mm-hmm. effect of, I really liked that song till I realized how cheatery it was. Meaning... Cheatery? Where Rivers makes the comment that he has a cozy pad around the corner that he wants to take the girl back to. And you have to remember oh. that it's not Rivers singing the song. Not every song for Rivers is autobiographical. So Rivers doesn't want to cheat on Kyoko with the girl from Lucera, everybody. Just cool it. No. And even if he thought about it, that doesn't mean that he would do it. And it's just a song. Yeah, These are all just songs. And I've been babbling for a long time. <laughs> Heart songs is good and nifty and we like it okay. Also, just browsing the Red album, I usually just kind of like taper off around automatic and i just kind of call it a day right there which is a huge bummer because one of the absolute most stunning beautiful weezer songs of all time is the angel and the one i guess i gotta listen to that sucker more often you really do it's beautiful and the entirety of the song is build up it all just builds and builds and builds everything Yeah, I like everything through uh, from the beginning to automatic. And then I kind of just like, eh, Eh. but Um, what about the deluxe eh. tracks? You like Miss Sweeney? Do you like King? Uh, I know like everyone in the world really does, but I haven't spent enough time with them. So a one night at the disco, I asked you to dance slow. Well, and so it's like, what's so, okay. What's so great about that? Uh, for me, it's, it's Scott's <laughs> delivery, the ridiculous swagger and the story behind it. I also, it was either automatic. I know. Just, I think I just discovered that it was Pat not that long ago too. Um, I, I forget if it was King or cold, dark world, but Scott was trying to convince rivers to put, those songs on the album and rivers said essentially well if you want it on there you sing it and it led to some of scott's most awesome vocal deliveries (laughs) where he says army of babies it's amazing but he says army of what in the song king he references how somebody has an army of babies and how he's the king and it's a very weird (laughs) bizarre song but i just scott's vocal delivery in that is his performance is great and it's extremely charming and makes the song and plus it's a it's a rockin tune but it's one of those songs that's not river singing so well and okay so everyone gets a chance on this album per se but they never 
they never go back to that. No, because the reaction to it, it was overwhelmingly negative. <laughs> Although Brian did later re-record Thought I Knew for a relationship album. Right, which I think is much better the relationship version. Agreed. And also, yeah, I'll just say that. So let, um, let's talk a little bit about some of the songs sorry. he references. Yes, let's go back. Um, do, do, do. I told the story. Oh, I have a quote. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> In an interview with Jim DeRogatis Jim on American song DeRogatis. Bless you. Jim DeRogato. Bless Master. you. Uh, Don Cushane on americansongwriter.com Rivers says music hits you in a heavier way when you're a kid and that was what I was thinking back on like how I felt as a kid listening to the radio and records going as far back as Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald Um, he said my family had a 45 of that song and I remember it used to scare me to death. It was so spooky and just shook the foundations of my soul. Yeah, Heart Songs opens up that, with a it, reference to that song. The rec- And all I could think about is Bean. I know. Bean from the Kevin and Bean show in Los Angeles is obsessed with the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. He's And he plays it whenever he can. It's the wreck of the Edmund Ugh. Fitzgerald. And it is a really scary song because it's about a boat that sank in a lake at the break of the dawn and a bunch of people died. And it's odd how much time uh, and space in my head the song occupies because of being from (laughs) K-Rock. But I remember when I first heard Heart Songs, which, uh, you know, the first time hearing you're like, oh my gosh, all these references are so great, but... I missed the next five references because I was just thinking of stupid bean. <laughs> stupid bean. Um, I mean, for me, it's not spooky, but I can I can see it. Um, One of my great fears are... is sinking in a boat. Like when I see images of oh. boats sinking in movies or submarines breaking in half or whatever, it freaks me the hell out. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to drown or burn. Yeah, those both scare me. Burning is something you are less likely to do when you're sinking in a boat. Well, I just don't want to go those ways when I go. And I don't want to get shot out of a cannon. Me either. Anywho. Yeah, but sorry. Let's not talk about how we want to die. So um, Gordon Lightfoot sang a song about a boat that sank in a lake at the break of the dawn. A cat named Stevens found a faith that he could believe. <laughs> and then Joan Baez, I never listen to too much jazz, but hippie songs can be heard in our pad. And Eddie Rabbit said he had a hungry heart. And then Grover Washington, something, something, something. Abadivo, Pat Benatar. By the way, I'm doing all this from memory, by the way. Um, Mr. Springsteen. Um, okay, so for those of you who don't know, Cat Stevens, can you do a little ditty for us, Rick, of his, like, probably most popular song? Is, is he the cat and the cradle dude? I don't know. Is he? 
I don't know. And the cat in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the no? man and the moon. Was that him? Daddy, I Possibly. I feel like all of his songs make you cry. He sings, Well, I have to go baby, away. baby, it's a wild world. He also you know sang a one? song that they just used in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I have uh. to go away. I mean, he's got a few hits, but I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm... Uh, and Joan Baez, she is very, very popular um, hippie singer from the 60s. And I just know her name. I don't know any of her music. I think it's fair um, It's fair to assume that every song referenced on this um, this particular song is something very popular. Just because of how Rivers heard it. You know, if it's on the radio, it's popular. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea who Eddie Rabbit was. No idea. Uh, just a shout out to Amy who surprised the hell out of me with like, yeah, no, I used to listen to that Eddie Rabbit song all the time. Yeah, Amy, who couldn't listen to anything except for um, Christian stuff, and finally broke out with Selena. Yep. At some point, but she also said that she had a crush on Rick Astley. <laughs> who doesn't have a crush Which on I Rick think, Astley? Let's be real. I know. I think everybody did back then. You know the rules, um, and so do I. <laughs> never gonna give you up never gonna something something never gonna let you down please tell me you know the words and hurt you yeah we're no strangers eh? to love you know the rules and so do i i love that song me too <laughs> never gonna give you um, up never gonna let you down never gonna run around without you <laughs> I like how you got like kind of Kermity at the end there. Never uh, <laughs> going to give you up. Ah! <laughs> um, and Amy also liked Pat Benatar, but really, who didn't like Pat Benatar? But mm. doesn't Pat, like Benatar. Pat Benatar? She made puberty fun yeah. for a lot of boys, I bet. Oh yeah, and the ladies. I have no idea. I don't know. Actually, don't I'm know. making a shitty joke. I can't even picture her. Is she is she hot? I mean, I know she's got short brunette hair. I know she was really popular. Oh yeah, Pat Benatar was super hot. She's she's the one that does the heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. And ABBA. I think everybody knows they're kind of disco y. And we've got Devo. Whip it. Whip it good. You must whip it. I mean, who doesn't love Devo? Uh, you can see where Rivers who? had his metal phase with Quiet Riot, Iron Maiden, and Judas Priest and Slayer. See, that's where I kind of like call it a day because I can't, I can't, I'm not, I'm not a metal person. I can't get into it. I want to point out, folks, a little behind the scenes information uh, in the show notes. <laughs> Rachel has some <laughs> comments uh, on a handful of the songs. They're like, just let's let's discuss this, this, and this. And starting with Quiet Riot, she has, huh? And then nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no room for metal for Rachel. She's completely out. 
I I tried to listen to it just like because I was doing my research. So I had to listen to everybody that I wasn't familiar with so I could kind of reference it for people who aren't familiar. And I started with Quiet Riot and I was like, I I'm out. I'm not even going to go there if this is what I'm going to have to hear. Are you a fan of metal? Of like heavy metal or like 80s hair metal? Whatever this is. Is this is this 80s hair metal? Um, well, Quiet Riot is hair metal, but bands like Iron... I mean, Iron Maiden is like classic rock metal. Judas Priest also, but Slayer is like straight up metal. And I mean, I love metal music. Like today, I love metal music. Um, older metal music here and there, but um, I like metal. All right. My husband likes metal and... One of my he does the deal, but I I can't. One of my favorite metal bands is a band called Amana Marth. Their music is exclusively about Viking and Norse mythology, and there's two dudes in the band named Johan. They're all from um, I forget uh, blah, Norway or something like that. And well, that sounds like my kind of band. And when we when I play them, my wife is always like, "Please, no more Cookie Monster," because he sounds like Cookie Monster when he sings. And once she <laughs> said that, I could never unhear it. So they're like, "Me is for Cookie. It's good enough for me." <laughs> rah, rah. That's ex- that's exactly what no? it sounds like. No, you're totally right. <laughs> uh, um, I like Cookie Monster. Um, John Lennon, Bruce Springsteen, Grover Washington. I think everybody knows those guys, right? Well, especially Grover Washington. Who? Just the two of us. Oh, yeah. We can make it if we try. You and I. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. See, that's a song that I knew that I didn't know that I knew. Right? It's kind of like how apparently I I found out putting together a mix for my sister-in-law for her 45th birthday. There was a bunch of Springsteen on it, and I didn't realize that I know uh-huh. most Springsteen songs. I had no idea they were him, but I'm a huge Springsteen fan, apparently. Oh, good to know. I love that when you find out. You're like, oh, I love that band. You're like, that's that band? Yeah. Huh. So, so yeah. Heart Songs, it's a good tune. I, I really like this song a lot, and it content wise is kind of off the charts because there's a lot to digest and dig into and you can you can definitely pick out where these songs affected rivers and you can you can hear the influences even today i mean i think these days especially he's in his pop music phase which has yielded both good and bad um but also i do love how important he talks about rivers is uh, inspiration sorry. no no i just say i love how um uh, immediate and upfront rivers influences are he's never been ashamed to say where he draws things from and he in that way you know he's very unpretentious it um it was nice to see some honest um things that he was into or liked or grew up with that influenced him other than the same old same old uh nirvana pixies yada yada that was nice yeah and i i do know that listening to this song for the first time and understanding what his influences were some were very surprising i never would have thought that you know debbie gibson was something that he held on to in his heart and mind 
uh, one, yeah, one last I mean, note. And oh, sorry. No, no, I, I was just going to wrap things up here in a second because we got Juliet. Uh, we got to get yes. over her garage soon. Uh huh. But um, Heart Songs, aside from its content being pretty interesting, is a very moving and emotional song because the bridge portion and the outro are are this huge swell of emotion and conviction and. I love it when you can tell that Rivers means it, and I really think he means it in heart songs. And th- that was some of the most dynamic singing from Rivers that we had ever heard. You know, his voice didn't usually stretch that far. And I mean, in the last many albums, his voice has gone all over the place, you know, with, with good effect mm-hmm. and bad effect. If we remember Smart Girls, we weren't too crazy about his vocals on that. But hearing him sing the way he does on the Red Album was unique at the time. We're like, whoa, he's really stretching himself. And Heart Songs was a great example of that. I like it. It's like soft, melodic, uh, makes you want to reminisce. Um, It's sweet. And And then the way he sings it feels very genuine, you know? And then kaboom. I like it. Big old, big old crescendo. But Uh do you want to rate this bad boy? Yes. All right. I'll go first. Let me pull up my... Yeah, you go first. I'm going to pull up my handy-dandy rating system. All right. So I give this song one Laser Eyes Rivers, one Lightning Strap, one Scott in a vest, Pat Jammin' on the drums, and a Blazer Brian for a total of 12. What? Yeah, I really, really like this song. Okay. Tis a good Um. Okay, what am I going to give it? I, Rachel, give Heart Songs a lightning strap, a Weezer prom picture, a Scott in the vest, Pat Jammin' on the drums, and a Blazer Brian for a total of 10. So that's 22, averaging out to We Are Weezer gives Heart Songs an 11. Good job, Heart Songs. That's a good rating. You did it. We're proud of you. Mm-hmm. Pat on the back, hug, huggies. Pat jamming on the back. Or something. <laughs> All right, coming up next, after the brief whistle-like pause, we're going to go in the garage with Juliet. Mm-hmm. We'll see you soon. Give us a few moments. We'll be right back with you. Hey, Rick, what do you say we go over to uh, Juliet's house and see if she's hanging out in the garage? Oh, I cannot wait. Oh, look, we're here. Oh. Hi. Hi, Hi Juliet. Here, Rick, here's your beer. Oh. <laughs> chug a lug lug <laughs> oh i see you have a, a bottle of vodka for me thank you so much you're welcome yeah i <laughs> i was like shit with some orange juice you know grapefruit juice i got you two choices today so oh very nice <laughs> i'll do of both course, anytime <laughs> 
I thought it would be nice to relax uh, and have some uh, cocktails and beer as we're talking about heart songs today. Yes. Awesome. Um, well, so, how do you feel about heart songs, first of all? I I like it. It's, um, you know, I, I've said before that I always thought the Red Album, I was always looking forward to the Red Album because I always thought that would be like love songs, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and at least there's heart songs on there, I think. <laughs> but looking back from, from what I've like read about it, um, cause I actually was a little disappointed with the red album because there wasn't more love songs on there. Um, maybe I was just listening too much to love songs on the coast. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, like, uh, so, but now actually with my seven year old, he, the red album is his favorite album. Like I just put it on just to like, be like, oh yeah, what is this album again? And. The, uh, he loves uh, car racing and Gran Turismo um, has uh, the automatic song from the Red Album on there. So, oh. like, I remember, like, making dinner or something and just having that on the loop because he, like, had it on and he wanted – he was doing something else and so that would just be looping while – he, you know, it was ready to, and so I'm like, and I had no idea that that was a Weezer song. I was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. So, uh, <laughs> everything kind of came full circle, but, um, but then in, in listening to the Red Album, I'm like, yeah, I guess it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It just, uh, wasn't what I thought the Red Album to be. So, you know, what it's, you know, I guess everyone and their expectations, you, you the were definitely, expectation yeah, for sure. of, you know, you're definitely not alone <laughs> in that, but I think the Red Album, um, definitely exploded a lot of people's expectations but yeah, I, it's like, like the mm-hmm. well i what was gonna, gonna say rachel earlier i was telling rick that um for me it kind of peters out after automatic mm-hmm. i kind of like mm-hmm. stop listening after that <laughs> song i'll let it play <laughs> but i kind of I, I zone it out like i don't really know the songs mm-hmm. after that <laughs> I don't know. Although I I do like the Angel and the One. I was reading an article and they brought my attention to that one. I'm like, what is that song? And I'm like, oh my god, it's so pretty. I feel like every the last song on the albums are like Only in Dreams or Angel and the One, like the really slow, like almost magical songs or something. I don't know, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I but, should l- revisit that because it's a it's a thing. The Angel and the One. I was just telling mm. Rachel that the Angel and the One is one of the most beautiful Weezer songs. It's incredible. It just sucks that it's, it's behind a wall of songs I don't want to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 pretty wild. Well, I mean, I you know I like you know all this. There's something about like his songs where there's always something that hooks me into the song. Not. Not always, but <laughs> like, you know, I think that's why I was like, eh, about the Red Album, because the album in general was like, it didn't hook me in for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but um, I think I'm always looking for that emotional trigger or like, you know, I always love like the, like, if he's singing to a girl, like, I love putting myself in the middle of the song as if I'm the girl that he's singing to. Like, I think, like, maybe that's what all the girls do. I don't know. Rachel, do you do that? Or am I the only one? (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah. I mean, maybe that's why I like the white album Mm -hmm. so much because I relate to it so much. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'm an LA girl and I live by the beach and I 
totally know what you're talking about in all of your references. <laughs> and um, I want to be, what does he say in, in um, or maybe that's not, maybe it's even like, it feels like summer, but where hmm. he talks about the woman being his song and it's like oh. uh-huh yeah you're the song of my life so, yeah 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 because like, you know I think I just totally every dig the romantic you know yeah because I think that like you know like that's that's like I think like a, a very like uh, a feminine ideal to be the muse for somebody you know and yeah be, like I their inspiration for doing the art yeah so I mean definitely (laughs) Rick and that's why that's why I love having Rick as your co-host because he serves as like the guy point of view uh, of all the songs and like like he really if he if he relates in the same way like for the same reasons I I think he relates to things that we don't relate to I don't know Rick we want to chime in (laughs) I'm actually enjoying you guys talking about me like I'm not here (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you what Rick thinks about this and I'll tell you right now. I oh, have, I think I know already. I have no need to share my own opinion. You guys are doing a great job. Um, I, no, really. I do know that classically speaking, you know, the muse is always thought of as a woman. Although nowadays mm-hmm. I assume the gender specificity is much less important and people, you know, find their muse in a lot of things. But as mm. a listener of of uh rivers is is his songs uh i i definitely never think of myself as the object of those songs but Mm -hmm. his his angst and his disappointment and his joy and his ecstasy i have always felt that i mean especially in my younger days not so much now but he was very Mm -hmm. able to approximate my feelings um which stands mm-hmm. to reason why so many of his songs are heart songs of mine, you know, that, that mm. evoke something in me very deeply and on a level that goes beyond, oh, I dig this song or it's fun. You know, I think oh, so you're a lot of the, yeah, I the think songs. step in his yeah. role. And I mean, I've never had the issues that he's had with women. Um, I certainly have never mm-hmm. been as awkward with them, but, um, <laughs> But for well, yeah, certain, I mean, you're his, his heartbreak through and through. <laughs> his his <laughs> uh, that we're putting I'm that on a teacher. Just giving you a hard time. Uh, <laughs> no, I just mean I've I've never. I was raised by three women. I I lived in a house with right. my my sister, my mother, and my grandmother. So I I at least learned how to navigate women, you know, without being a total doofus earlier on in life than <laughs> Rivers got to. Um. Well, but you I know, I think it's like, because like I definitely like his songs mm-hmm. because they he definitely expresses his feelings in a way that you can say, "Oh my gosh, I've been there. I know exactly how it feels to be that awkward or to feel that pained." You know, and his voice itself mm-hmm. is so emotional. But mm-hmm. I've definitely I've definitely never felt like the subject, but I have felt like the the protagonist of the songs many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I'm like, oh, it's so. I love like our combination. So <laughs> it, it all <laughs> works out pretty damn well. Yeah. Um, so diving into the heart songs and um, and uh, 
I kind of, you know, I, I, I've chosen kind of three uh, artists um, to talk about. And, um, but I, I was inspired by uh, the radio today because they um, played, they played Heartbreaker by Pet Benatar. And I was like, oh, I didn't even, I'm like, heart, heart songs. Like maybe that is what, um, he's talking about you know the heart songs and like the songs that have heart in them because heartbreaker was like her breakthrough single and um it was like on the charts for like four and a half months so like a very long time but it's probably like maybe one of the first times that there's like a girl rocker just rocking out on a song um you know maybe like heart was like that back in the 70s too but in the 80s like it's pat benatar and like she's so like hardcore um but i mean she also talks like the the chorus is heartbreaker dream maker love taker you know don't mess around you know and and uh you're the um right kind of sinner to release my inner fantasy and like the invincible winner and and you know that you were born to be like there's something about what she's singing i feel like she's singing about rivers in a way which is like so interesting i mean i don't know if it's because he's the troublemaker and you know only in dreams and like you know and like the world has turned and left me here and like you know there's like a lot of like you know similar lyrics i guess well and, stuff, and but- you you saying this out loud and me looking hmm. at the list of songs Mm-hmm. Um, it's like hungry heart, man in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I think we're alone now. Faith, never gonna give mm-hmm. you up. It's like all of these. I don't know. It's like this weird mishmash of of love songs mm-hmm. and truth, truthfulness, and and also Pat Benatar. You're you know, it's like strength and like uh, mm-hmm. heartbreaker and like you know. It does. It ties. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, and then right after they played Heartbreaker, they they played Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana. And I was like, oh, maybe that's like, you know, that's why it, it like sealed it in. But that was written, I think, uh, uh, Heart Shaped Box. I think that was after. Uh, no, no, oh, yeah, before. Yeah. But yeah. And so then, um, but the he didn't reference Heart Shaped Box in the thing, but he referenced the album of Nevermind. And so I kind of like looked into that and that was, I mean, obviously that was like the, the alt rock, that album brought like alternative rock and grunge to like a large mainstream audience kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they purposely wanted that like hard, heavy, or like that, that heavy sound. And, um, and there's a lot of similarities. I mean, like they, they, Kurt Cobain used power chords, um, and he used pop hooks with dissonant guitar riffs. I think Rivers definitely kind of like took that and like ran with it kind of thing. Um, but I think interestingly, uh, Butch Vig produced the that album and that album went big. And so I think, it, you know, it's definitely um, not a mistake that they chose Butch Vig for Pacific Daydream and purposely wanted to go pop and like maybe go big with this one and bring in new listeners kind of thing. So it, I thought that was like um, all interesting too. It was Butch Walker, mm-hmm. not Butch Vig. 
Oh. Butch Vig is the, um, he's a famous producer and also band member of the band Garbage. Yeah, that's oh what, my God. That's yeah. what was just saying. I totally thought that that was, oh my God. I'm so glad you guys are here to correct me. <laughs> Too well, many butchers. Okay. Well, well, and actually, the producer for this song. Hmm? The producer for this song is actually Rick Rubin. But Butch Walker. For, for Nevermind. For, um, oh, for Heart, heart Songs. Oh, heart yeah. Songs. No, I'm not talking about Heart Songs. I just meant Nevermind. So. Oh, but yeah, Rick so Rubin. So Butch, but wait. So Butch Walker was a producer for Nevermind. Wait, what? no, I was mistaken. Butch Vig. Butch Vig is the producer for Nevermind. Nevermind. Yeah. Oh my God, I never knew that. Get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I was like, oh, but yeah. So Butch Vig, da da da. And so then, um, too many Dude butches in the world. That's where the uh, <laughs> so many butches. Who would have thought? Yeah, We're like hey, not enough time. Sorry. Yeah, but you know, like you know, he said. But um, River says in the song that, like you know, these heart songs they never feel wrong or anything like that. And I think that's definitely, you know, um, never mind is definitely like you know, I think what what with that like what never mind did which i think kind of what i'm thinking i always think of um adele um because she uses dissonant and brings the dissonant into the major chord and that's where you kind of go it goes it sounds weird but then in the end it sounds really good and i wonder if like if uh rivers can benefit from that too like taking a minor and turning it into a major and then like you know, make in that and have that kind of. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. What Rivers, you're let me tell about. you how to how to write songs. Like, <laughs> but, well, and number two, um, as not a music reader, I have mm-hmm. no idea what the heck minor and majors are. It's it's a uh, just like you know, uh, uh, Kurt Cobain just did a great job of of uh, combining it. So he like. Um, you know, took these power chords and then like that, that's at the pop hooks with the dissonant guitar riffs. The dissonant is the, uh, is the minor. I'm not really a big, uh, musician or anything like that. I only know like, uh, like I was in chorus and stuff. So I know like major and, or major chords and like minor chords, but, um, mm-hmm. and like what they evoke and like what people are so like what used to listening to. Well, like minor chords, kind of like that's the angsty, tweaky, like ah, uh, like ah, uh, like that. That kind of sound is is more of like a uh, like a. Maybe if we can find um, some examples, <laughs> I didn't even like pull out any uh, examples of no, no, you're of minor fine. chords, I, but um, music but major chords show, are but. are like the harmonies that we're used to. Like Beach Boys is is major chords, and like oh. you know everything is all. I, Beatles, I assume, is is also like major chords like those are like pleasing to this to the ear and evokes kind of like harmony and like like that kind of thing so Hmm. um but yeah and then Adele um she what I've noticed about her her music and how she writes is she'll take that that she'll hit a dissonant chord which typically pop music doesn't hit dissonant chords um, but mm-hmm. she'll hit a dissonant chord and then she'll bring it into a, a, a major chord, which then we're like, ah, oh, like we get it. Like, you know, we understand it. And the, um, there's something it's about like a build up for her. 
Yeah, uh, in one of in the one of her major songs, um, she does that, and like um, I'll have to like look for it and uh, and send it to our uh, producer to play for you. <laughs> yeah. um, but for example, Cat Stevens. Um, another reference in heart songs he's all major chords and everything is pleasing to the ear um so like i have like five songs if you guys want to listen to these five songs they're all so pretty and it makes it sound like a sunday morning so the wind is a really pretty song um morning has broken that is like a nice sunday morning like peaceful song a lot of his um of his songs are like well, the the, uh, the like the most popular ones are like the Peace Train, you know, Can't Keep It In, Moon Shadow, um, Wild World. Oh, I know that one. Um, yeah, they're they're all like you sit there and you go, oh, it's such a like a like some of them they they thrash about, but they're like fun he, and and did he do Cats in the Cradle? Sing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. and it, his voice is like very distinctive, and he's like a really good you know, um, texture to his voice and stuff. So, um, Oh yeah. He's like a classic. Yeah. Mm hmm. He's like definitely a seventies song, pop song feel kind of like you listen to him and it's like captured in a time capsule of the seventies and you're like, Oh, okay. You know, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's really cool. But the, the most interesting thing though, that I find, uh, and not even, I mean, you know, I don't know if, I mean, Rivers, how he was influenced so much by Cat Stevens in his life path, but he had found um, Islam and became Yusef, um, something, you know, he changed his whole uh, identity and he, stuff. Name. Um, yeah, Yusef Islam. And, um, and, uh, he says in the song, you know, a cat named Stevens found a, a faith he could believe in. And I just finished reading an article on vulture.com. Um, and it was Rivers and he was interviewed by the same guy who interviewed him at Harvard all those years ago. And, um, and one of the things that he ends on um, is like, you know, why he got married and like, you know, what, what, you know, it, it's just an odd reason to get married, and because he found Vipsana. Yeah, I read, I read that one too, so I know exactly. And they, what you're the last, about. the last thing he said was a th- thing that stuck out of my mind. Um, it's, there's no faith involved, but it's a total commitment to a path and practice. And I feel like that is his faith, even though it's not like a religious faith. I feel like he found something to put his faith into that would like work for him, just like anyone would with like religion, you know. So I found that to be an interesting parallel between cat and like rivers kind of thing. Like how cat yeah, found. Yeah, I, I think he's always been looking for that that faith and Maybe. that path and with yeah. the meditation and and yeah. um family, you know. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's interesting really cuz even in Yeah, and even in like Pacific Daydream where he's like, oh, you know, people I don't I don't find joy in people or or something like that. He has one of those. Um, he says that in one of the lyrics, and I feel like um, you don't, you won't get disappointed in a practice in a faith that you can rely on, but you could get disappointed in a person. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I just uh, thought that that was. I'm like, oh, so all this like searching and stuff, but 
and then you know i think just trying to find like and having that like inspiration all the time you know i think that's what vipsana like kind of gives him and stuff or it's like a it serves that it gets him it clears him out to then be open to inspiration kind of thing but um yeah and that's totally related to your heart you know and stuff so heart songs nice deep dive (laughs) (laughs) well um hey rick are you there yes (laughs) why don't we all go around and say a couple like we'll each give three of our heart songs and oh i'm so excited table and then like don't talk about it though we'll just like say them and then we can talk (laughs) about them (laughs) (laughs) okay who wants to start um, well, I'm I'm unprepared for uh, this uh, for the ant. I haven't really done any research, <laughs> but if we're going off of Cat Stevens, <laughs> and like you know, that is one of the ones that I uh, like. I find like the songs that I like are like so pure and like definitely resonate in my heart. Which would be like the wind and morning has broken and can't keep it in. And Can't Keep It In is kind of like a fun, rambunctious song, too. Um, so those three, I think, would be would be my heart songs at this moment. <laughs> All right, Rachel, what are yours? Uh, well, I'm, I, I had a bunch of different people. I actually was a nerd and made a playlist because I really wanted I to know. It. And I'll, I just started like brainstorming and then it turned into a playlist um so i'll i will name like a couple and and then older ones and then some new ones so um looking out my back door by credence clearwater revival uh (laughs) from a distance bet midler uh, <laughs> bad by Michael Jackson. <laughs> I never got um, into Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I w- I was born in the eighties, so a lot of this. Yeah. Um, my fun one is Land of Confusion by Genesis, <laughs> and like five thousand Beatles songs, all <laughs> Beatles songs that you could ever imagine. Mm. Um. Girl, Michelle, um, Mm -hmm. Imagine, Let Uh, It Be, and then Oh Darling. I I love that Oh Darling. I mean, uh, something. Basically, all the Beatles, like (laughs) of all time. Uh, Madonna, like (laughs) Material Girl, Holiday, Like a Prayer, uh, Who's That Girl? And then I Mm -hmm. go into like SWV and boys to men and uh <laughs> you Weezer got Blue all over album. the map <laughs> boys yeah, to men to blur wow. and and then i kind of go to like you know like i was trying to think of like things i never get tired of you know so mm. and things that like when i'm having a bad day or i feel like a mood i mm-hmm. i can always go to these people and <laughs> um, I don't get tired of it, you know, it, and yeah. that's kind of like, 
what the song how it speaks to me Mm. and I honestly never get tired of um, the Beatles or Weezer ever Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Pacific Daydream <laughs> has been on repeat, like serious. Like I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm all in on Pacific Daydream now. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Well, Rick, how about you? Yeah. Uh, when you asked us to think of what our heart songs were, I tried my best to <laughs> pick songs that were in the same vein of what rivers chose because if you look at the list of songs that he chose it's very clear Mm -hmm. that it starts with music that was just on in the background and as time goes on you can Mm -hmm. see him beginning to choose what he wants to listen to like where the metal comes in yeah and then some later influences so i thought about songs that i heard passively growing up and as i've mentioned on the show previously a lot of the bands that i love i have because of my sister not wanting to listen to them anymore she's like here you go kid (laughs) <laughs> but before that era of my life, a lot of my music was influenced by my dad because he always plays music all the time. He, mm-hmm. I mean, you can hear him coming down the street because his stereo is so loud to this day. <laughs> so I just picked three songs because I didn't know how much you know time we were going to to give to this particular portion of the show. But the very first song that came to mind is a Garth Brooks song called Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up. Um, (laughs) It's one of the first songs that I actually memorized all the lyrics to. And I used to make my dad (laughs) listen to me sing it. And I was like seven when the song came out. And if he'd interrupted me, I'd I'd like throw a tantrum because he wouldn't let me finish. (laughs) And to this day, I, I I can probably sing the whole song, which I won't do right now. Um, oh, give us a taste. Give us a little. It's, tiny, it's tiny definitely bit. not. It's definitely not going to happen. And if it did, I'd edit it out. Please, please don't put me on the spot. Okay, okay. Um, Fine. And then the ne- the next song is. Uh, do you know? Like as time went on, uh, and my dad stopped listening to so much country, he got really into the band Extreme. Remember that song, More Than Words. Yes. That. Uh, more than words. Well, oh, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got him to sing that at least. Do, That's good. Do, 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 I, do. I love that song. I think everyone did. Yeah. yeah. That came out. And that, and that song was song. on an album uh, where nothing else sounded like it. And it kind of tanked their career because people are like, oh my God, that song's beautiful. I can't wait to buy that album like my dad did. And the rest of it is like hard music. <laughs> and he's like, what the hell is this? He, we'd only ever listen to that one yeah. song over and over. And then if, if we're talking about finding the song where you hear the proverbial chords that broke the chains you had on yourself, for me, that was, you know, the song, the, the song that I heard that had me then take over the musical journey in my life where I started to find music for myself was Green Day's mm-hmm. Longview. Now, mm. that's a mm-hmm. very popular song. We've all heard it a billion times. But when I was nine years old and I heard the lyrics to that song, I felt like I was hearing something that you weren't allowed to hear, that I was getting a window. <laughs> Did you jump around? Did you jump around and sing? Well, no, because he screamed about like masturbation and being bored <laughs> oh, and on. doing drugs. Well, I but mean, I did and what I I'm trying to, wasn't doing any of those things. 
Now, what I'm trying to say is, though, that was the first time where I felt like I had found something that my parents didn't get to know about. You know, I, I mm-hmm. conned my dad into buying me the CD, but he never listened to it. And I assume <laughs> if he had, he'd be like, you don't know what any of this is and you don't need to. <laughs> but it was one of the first pieces of like pop culture and music that opened my eyes to a much bigger world. And I, you know, yeah. the guy singing sounded so young. And obviously I knew he was older than me, but it was like very powerful. And listening mm. to Green Day's Dookie is what has propelled me into listening to all the music I listen to now. It all started with Dookie, you know, because shortly after that was the Blue Album. And obviously here we are and the rest is history. But those three songs in particular couldn't be more different from each other, but they all uh, sit in the same place in my heart. Is so mm. fondly remembered, and they there are they are in that way of a suit, even though they don't belong together at all. But <laughs> <laughs> they're just markers of you, you know, your life, like life markers for you yeah, or I something. Mean, I remember yeah. sitting in my dad's Ram Charger listening to Extreme, and I, if I'm not mistaken, mm. he might have had a tape, so he would like rewind it and go a little <laughs> too far and hear like the shitty metal music that he didn't like, and then like let <laughs> more than words start again. Oh my God! You know yeah. what just occurred to me right now? This just came out huh, of nowhere. What? An- another heart song is um, almost all the songs from Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus. My dad had that CD, <laughs> and I used to know every word to that album. I heard her playing on the radio, and I was like, front. "Oh yeah, Alanis." Yeah, 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 I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she was the she was the jam back then, and so was Green yeah. Day. It was yeah. a thing. Dude, the floodgates are opening in my mind. Rachel, we might have to do yeah. our new version of Heart Songs because I'm there. It's all coming back to me now. Oh my Dude, god! Make, you make a playlist. I'll put it up, guys. I'm I realize. I realize now that my dad listened to like to a lot of feminist rock music. My dad also listened to Paula Cole. Now that I think about it. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's the '90s, huh? Like the other side of the '90s, or something, huh? <laughs> oh man, I got to talk to my dad. My dad so bought funny. me a Twisted Sister T-shirt when I was little, <laughs> and I refused to wear it because I was like too embarrassed. I was like, I'm not going to wear that T-shirt. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but he really, extreme, really wanted me so. to. He. Who else's dad's (laughs) going to buy him a Twisted Sister shirt? Uh. (laughs) Oh, he also wanted to take me uh, to... um, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to change the subject uh, for trivia. So I just wanted to let you know I have a couple of trivia questions I'm all about it. Really quick, because I know like Rivers is talking about um, the Edmund Fitzgerald was like creeped him out. And so that's why it was one of his hard songs. So hmm. uh, the song, what was the Genesis song that I said? I forget the name of it. I I can't even like remember the name, but I can visualize the gosh darn uh, video. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is it called? No one remembers. I'm scrolling. But- I'm stalling and scrolling. <laughs> stalling and the, um, scrolling, stalling and scrolling. The Land of Confusion. Do you guys happen to remember that video? No. Not at all. It's like 
this is the world we live in. Whoa. And it's like kind of weird. Not uh, Genesis isn't is kind of weird. Sometimes it goes into that weird <laughs> rock pop 80s synthy place. And yeah. um, it was uh, it was the 80s and it was Ronald Reagan puppet like puppets <laughs> stomping through the mud and like pulling puppet heads off of the muddy floor. And I like could not watch it. I was afraid <laughs> of that music video and scarred me for life. So wow. that's my funny story about um, <laughs> that Genesis song, Land of Confusion. And watch the video and try not okay. to get creeped out. When you started singing, I remember the song. This is the world. Yeah, I remember that, but I don't remember the video at all. So it's creepy. It's like Ronald Reagan puppet. So I don't know. It's very 80s, too. I think Alf is in it. I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. Trivia. Maybe maybe it's just Sesame Street characters. We don't know. Just a lot of puppets. (laughs) Maybe the Muppets are there. But. Okay, so you guys might know these answers, but I was looking at albums, um, you know, the release of, of uh, Pacific Daydream. The, the, I, I, when uh, Rick was talking about Extreme, I was like, maybe that was where the albums started tanking when one song superseded an album so much or even a band or whatever. Maybe that's where the demise of, that's where no one cared about albums anymore. I know iTunes did it where you could just buy one song and like the rest of it was was all shot but um so going back to Weezer what Mm -hmm. which album was the highest like peak position that an album charted not a song but an album um I it's got to be make-believe I was gonna say green it's it's uh it is make-believe oh yeah and um and uh do you know what what it what the highest rank it was I think it was number one because of Beverly Hills, was it not? It was not. It did go platinum, but it was number two. And then, but which album? Huh? Number Number two two, on Billboard. He said incredulously. Number two. But (laughs) ironically, which album sold the most, though? Oh. I think it was. They just. I think this was like a new thing that happened recently, and I feel like it was Pinkerton or something. No, uh, Pinkerton ju- did just go gold. I think it was like no, no, platinum. Uh, early, it like finally last went year, platinum. Or, or maybe finally went platinum. Yeah, it finally went something. Um, but it was actually, according to Wikipedia, I could be wrong, but this said a blue album went three times platinum, so it sold wow over three million. Um, so that was interesting, but well, do you know what that position was? The peak position on the Billboard chart was for the Blue Album. The, for the Blue Album, yeah. It had to be Buddy Holly. It because that well, sucker the, just played nonstop all the time. Number, but the uh, album was it number one? No, it was number sixteen. What? Isn't that crazy? It doesn't make any sense because it was like. It doesn't make any sense. I think this is. Constantly a, it, it on. probably. Number one in it my It probably heart. follows 
the demise of the music industry where like they used to sell CDs, but now it went to digital. So now everything yeah. is like, so album wise, it totally is different. Um, it's like so, nobody cares how many albums you sold anymore. Cause exactly, exactly. Measure. So, so then my final question is, um, which albums charted higher than the blue albums? Then blue album. The green album. Oh. Yes, I agree. Uh, actually, all of the other albums except for Pinkerton, and we don't know about Pacific Daydream yet, but all of the other albums charted higher than the blue album. Isn't that crazy? What? Even though they didn't. I don't, I mean, you know what? It's Wikipedia. It probably could be wrong, but that's, Ratitude, what, that's what I was looking at. Juliet, Ratitude, Ratitude did not see. chart higher than the blue album. No, no, no. <laughs> Neither did Maladroit. <laughs> or no. <Hurley. laughs> Hold on, let me bring up this page, and then um, and then we'll go yeah, into. Yeah, we need your sources, Wikipedia. Yeah. We also need to go to bed. <laughs> well, I'll just tell you according but to that was Wikipedia, super which, fun. of course, can be wrong. <laughs> That's why I was like, oh, I better say it's Wikipedia, because it can be wrong. You know, everyone oh, yeah. contributes to it. Um, hold on, Weezer albums. Um, but that still was fun. I had fun guessing. Uh, thank you, Juliet, for another wonderful trip to your garage. I, we really appreciate what mm-hmm. you've done with the place. It's it used to just be like milk cartons <laughs> and 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 the floor, but now. now now there's like a wet bar. Yeah. There's beanbag yeah. chairs. There's a dartboard. Yeah. You've got a cabana Give me boy. more time. I'll get a ball. couch in here. I love it. Hello, Octavio. Yeah. <laughs> we got to have a party next time. Oh, my God. Right? It was so much fun. <laughs> Anything for you guys. Back in 1991, I wasn't having any fun. Till my roommate said, come on and put a brand new record on. Had a baby on it. He was naked on it. folks uh well, yeah that was really fun I, thank you everybody for listening what mm-hmm. is next rick um i don't know i think we're doing memories or juliet <laughs> i think it's it's uh saying goodbye <laughs> uh next episode episode 16 is going to be back to the shack and it will feature special guest Allie. Uh, our, one of our new members of the We Are Weezer team. Um, we've never done this before, but if you feel like it, you could give us a rating on the iTunes. That might be nice. Did you see that we have one uh, rating? Yeah. <laughs> I, We're the I have best podcast in the universe. Who it is. I... I may or may not know who that is, but it's very, is it you? very sweet. No, I think it's Corey. Ah, oh, dude, Corey, you rule. Thanks, bro. 
Corey, I, I know. Okay, um, I found um, the the page, which I will send to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, And cool. it says Hurley charted at six, Ratitude charted at seven, uh, Red Album charted at four, Everything Will Be Right charted at five. Um, I and throw that in the, the Weezer throw Blue that. Album charted at sixteen. No. Maladroit charted at three. No. I wonder if charting is about hype, though. I don't know. I, I this don't could know. be wrong. It's just, it's Wikipedia. I so need, I will send this to I you. I need to see. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to, like, figure it out. Um, <laughs> that's trivia. <laughs> uh, but yes, please, guys, if you are listening on iTunes, uh, please leave us a review. Make it good. Uh, make it bad. Make it whatever you want, but we want to know what you think. So if you could tell us that in some reviews, that would be radical. It would be due It'd be to gratitude. gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I love it. Tell uh, tell the people where they can find us on social media, Juliet. Um, we are Weezer.com on the website. Um, we are Weezer everything uh, on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and, Facebook and FB, uh huh. <laughs> and email us at weareweezerforever at gmail.com. And thank you, Rick, for the sound. Did I ever say thank you? No. Thank. Okay. But say thank it again. You so thank much you. For the sound. Thank you. And <laughs> thank you, Juliet, for the garagey. Mm-hmm. And Anytime. and thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Adios. Adios. You awesome folks. Adios. Until next time. These are my heart songs. They never <laughs> feel ro- wrong. 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 <laughs> <laughs>